Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. You know how I'm always telling you guys to bet on red? Well, if you head over to Bet Online Sportsbook, you can put together a nice little parlay of Patrick Mahomes to win MVP, Kansas City to get the number one seed in the AFC, and Kansas City to win the Super Bowl, tallying together at a nice value of plus 1150. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is Monday, December 5th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. You may have heard me say Monday here. That is, in fact, when we are bringing this episode to you because in their efforts to hide the fact that a sexual predator was returning without receiving proper accountability, playing against the team who traded him away. In an effort to bury that story, the NFL inadvertently put a bunch of really good matchups together on the same weekend, and two of the seven best teams in the NFL played against each other in two different matchups this week. You had Kansas City play Cincinnati, you had Miami play San Francisco, Two of those games of the year type matchups, or at least teams that would make a really good second round of the playoffs, good football was played in two different occasions on the same weekend at the same time. So on our NFL Monday podcast, we broke down Kansas City and Cincinnati, and here on the show, we are going to break down the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers, call it a memes of the weekend, call it a bonus episode, whatever you want to call it. We're coming at you here on a Monday with two Take It Easy podcasts. This one exclusively a Dolphins versus 49ers postgame show. There's a lot to get to from this game, and the best place to begin is a salute to the fallen Jimmy Garoppolo, of whom, for those who are new to this show, last February... When we knew Jimmy Garoppolo was on his way out of San Francisco, and I had been saying since week one of 2021 that you play Trey Lance from the very beginning because you don't trade three first-round picks to get Trey Lance and then have him sit for a full season and then have him come in this year and keep Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. What was the point of trading the three first-round picks for your crypto quarterback? And the reason he's a crypto quarterback is because Trey Lance only has value because everyone agrees he has value, which is basically just crypto. The 49ers basically spent all their first-round picks on crypto. 
because after the 2023 draft, all three of the first round picks the 49ers gave up will have been spent. One on Jalen Waddle, one to acquire Bradley Chubb, one to acquire Tyreek Hill. All of those picks will be spent, and the 49ers will have had four games of Trey Lance and five football games in four years with which to evaluate his play, which is not a large enough sample size by any stretch of the imagination. So again, no one saw Trey Lance play in college. No one's seen him play in the NFL. He is crypto because he only has value because a bunch of people agree that he has value. If you've watched what happened to the crypto markets in the last month, it's not great. So Jimmy Garoppolo made a parody song last year to commemorate the fact that they were finally going to get rid of him, that we were finally going to be done with this Garoppolo saga. After two years of him being a tier three to backup level quarterback, but taking the Niners to the Super Bowl, to them pivoting to Trey Lance, we're really pivoting to the number three pick in the draft and then ultimately selecting Trey Lance, to then Jimmy Garoppolo being the quarterback last year that got to an NFC Championship game despite the fact that he completed zero passes for 90 consecutive minutes against the Packers, something he also did the last time he played the Packers in the playoffs in 2019. Despite that fact, Jimmy Garoppolo is still the quarterback of the Niners, and this parody song, which I thought I was only going to get to use for like two months, has now applied for every 49ers story that we've talked about, which has basically been like 30 times. So here is set to the theme song from the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Here is our Jimmy Garoppolo, He's Your Quarterback song. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. So going into the game, 
Our friend Juju Talks Sports and I did a preview over on the Slump Buster YouTube channel, which, by the way, did kind of popular. Shout out to Dolphins and 49ers fans who kind of checked in on that preview. It was some really good X's and O's analysis, and I was talking about how I was interested in the fact that, like, yeah, of course, Miami has a top 10 offense, 5 to 10, depending on the rankings you're looking at. They have a top 5 offense. The 49ers have a top 3 defense which we'll talk about more later. Like, obviously, the matchup is top five Miami offense, top five Miami defense. On the flip side, you have 14-ranked San Francisco offense and 20th-ranked Miami defense, which is kind of the less interesting matchup, but the one that I was interested in watching because I wanted to see what Jimmy Garoppolo would do against that defense. I know Garoppolo's had the fifth best passer rating in the league because he's avoiding interceptions. And the thing I said from the very beginning of this year is if Trey Lance gives you rookie year Baker Mayfield numbers, which is 10, uh, 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 2-1 to one touchdown interception ratio with 250 yards, you will win the Super Bowl, health permitting. San Francisco is the best team in the NFC if their quarterback gives them 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, which is basically middle-of-the-road quarterbacking numbers. And this is before the the dip in offense across the league because everyone's just running less plays this year. And Jimmy Garoppolo has given the 49ers, in replacement of Trey Lance, 16 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. And the three interceptions is the big part of that story, which is Garoppolo is not being asked to throw the ball over the middle a lot, and because he's not turning the ball over, he's got a very high passer rating, which is good. That If Jimmy Garoppolo had not turned the ball over the previous four seasons, there would be no question that he would still be the quarterback of the 49ers. They would have no urge to upgrade the quarterback position from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and then in this game, Jimmy Garoppolo broke his ankle. I'm sorry, broke his foot. Rolled on his ankle and broke his foot on the first drive of the game, and now his season is over. And that intrigue that I had at the start of the game about watching Jimmy Garoppolo against the Dolphins' defense, which is not a very strong defense, all that intrigue went out the door because you just subtracted Jimmy Garoppolo. Enter Brock Purdy, who ends up going 20 for 30 for 250 yards... (laughs) 250 yards two touchdowns and one pick which is word for fucking word the stat line that i said if trey lance gives you 250 yards two touchdowns one pick he brock purdy had that exact fucking stat line in replacement of jimmy garoppolo literally went 20 for 30 to start the game had 210 passing yards and uh 40 rushing yards 210 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I was just like, dude, is the Shanahan system set up in such a way that literally anyone can go 210 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick on 30 pass attempts? Like, literally. And, And most of these were like yards after catch. Debo had two big yards after catch plays that were like, oh, if those don't go for big plays, it's looking like 18 for 30, 170 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, which is like basically like Nathan Peterman. I mean, Nathan Peterman was bad because he threw turnovers, but there was one Peterman game in which he completed six yards per completion. And the 49ers offense is set up in such a way that I'm just like, God, 
Could anyone do 20 for 30, 250 yards, two touchdowns, one pick? Jimmy Garoppolo does it. Trey Lance does it. Brock Purdy does it. Nick Mullins does it. I bet you Stetson Bennett would do it. If you put Stetson fucking Bennett on the 49ers right now, I bet he'd give you 20 for 30, 250 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Every goddamn quarterback on the 49ers gives you that same stat line. And against a great defense, they'll probably get exposed. That hasn't happened yet. And the good news is that losing Jimmy Garoppolo, our friend Juju is saying that the season was over for the 49ers. I'm like, Jimmy Garoppolo is like the seventh or eighth most talented player on that team. We know McCaffrey's more talented. We know Debo. We know Kittle. We know Trent Williams. We know Kyle Juszczyk. All five of those guys on offense are pro bowlers. And even if you're going down the line, I bet you that Brunskill guy is better at what he does as an offensive guard than Jimmy Garoppolo is at what he does. Like, he's not a star. He's also probably better at what he does than what Jimmy Garoppolo does. So, like, he's like the eighth most valuable player or seventh most valuable player on the 49ers offense. I've seen the 49ers win two playoff games in which Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw a pass for 90 consecutive minutes of real time. Like, 49ers are going to be moderately okay as long as they get 20 for 30, 250 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The rest of the way, they will be okay. They might not thrive. They can win. The reason they can win is because that defense is absolutely Super Bowl good. And there's a difference between elite defense and Super Bowl good, which I know sounds like, oh my god, we're doing the cliche sports radio thing of Super Bowl good versus elite. San Francisco... For nine consecutive quarters of second half football, allowed zero points, which I know is kind of a fluke because like the, the Saints should have scored 24 against San Francisco and they happen to score zero. That's a credit to the 49ers defense. 49ers, zero points in nine quarters of second half football straight. And... Here's the interesting part of this game, and it's what I want to do the bulk of the analysis for this game on. Now that we've talked about Garoppolo going out and Brock Purdy and the Dolphins defense not really being able to handle their own weight. What I thought was really interesting was the Miami Dolphins played a poor offensive game against the 49ers. And the reason I want to distinct that is because the Dolphins on the stat sheet will not have a bad game. By any stretch, by any, by very many statistics, I, I'm not going to say any statistic because game circumstances taken into account. The Miami Dolphins had a bad offensive game against the 49ers. The reason I say that is they scored 17 points. Tua had over 300 yards. The Dolphins statistics. Uh, Terry Hill had 150 yards and a touchdown. They moved the ball quite well in that game. And the difference that I'm trying to distinct here is the Miami Dolphins on the first play of the game had a 75-yard touchdown from Tua to Trent Surfield where he went the last 60 yards after the catch untouched to the end zone. And then in the second half, the Miami Dolphins had a 45-yard bomb touchdown to Tariq Hill. The Miami Dolphins are great at those big plays. 
In fact, they might be better than anyone else in the sport. It's the reason Terry Kill is a Hall of Famer. They are great at those big play scores. But when your team has multiple big play scores in the same game, that is usually because the defense has broken down, especially in this year's NFL, where everyone's playing two high safeties, everyone is running fewer plays. The defense has to break down at some level in order for you to have a 75-yard touchdown. Untouched for the last 60 yards like Trent Surfield. Tariq Hill, you could argue, just beats safeties deep. But two high safeties have been incredibly effective. When he was on Kansas City, two high safeties had been incredibly effective at beating Kansas City and keeping Tariq Hill off the field. And if you go back and watch that touchdown by Tariq Hill, San Francisco draws the two high safeties. Tua head fakes one safety down towards, I believe it was Gasecki, although I don't know which white dolphin. Uh, yeah, it was Gasecki. So I'm watching the all 22 angle of this, like from the, 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 the top skybox. And from my football analysis that is not the most elite, they head fake Gasecki down on this, or Tua's head brings down the safety, and Tariq Hill's already created separation over the middle, which you could argue is a great play by Miami and a defensive breakdown by San Francisco at the same time, leading to Tariq Hill being wide open for a 45-yard touchdown. I think I would lean in the direction of, like, good play Dolphins, but usually when you have 50-plus yard touchdowns, there's some level of a defensive breakdown. Especially when we're talking about a number one defense like what San Francisco has. So when we're watching Miami have a 75-yard touchdown in which he goes, Surfield goes untouched for 60 yards, and you have a Tariq Hill touchdown, 75 yards, basically wide open beating a safety. Not to, it is not discrediting the Dolphins at all. When you get those big plays, your team has a good offensive game if you score in the 30s or 40s. Because the big plays are bonuses that you maybe weren't anticipating throughout the game. And so the reason the Miami Dolphins have a bad game is not because Tua has 300 yards passing. It is... After the touchdown, punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, interception, interception, then the big play to Tariq Hill. Turnover on downs, and then the game was over at that point. They have two meaningless, I mean, not meaningless, like two turnovers that matter for fantasy football's sake at the end of the game. The reason this is a bad offensive game for the Dolphins, while having the big plays, is that they didn't score in the 30s. And if you have two big plays, you usually win those types of games. Even against Brock Purdy, who has 20, 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, on uh, completing 66% of his passes. The punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, interception, interception is where it all falls apart for Miami. And by the way, on those possessions that were non-big plays, they have one... They have 
a 65-yard touchdown drive, or sorry, 69-yard field goal, 65-yard field goal drive, and for the entire game, they had 80, sorry, 101 yards, two interceptions, and a field goal drive for three points. So you take away those two touchdowns, and they have 101 yards and three points, but we're not taking away those two touchdowns. The Dolphins are right in this game most of the way through. And so the reason they still get to be in this game despite going punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, interception, interception is off those two interceptions, the 49ers only score six points, followed immediately by the big play touchdown by Terry Kill. That's what keeps the Dolphins in this game, is getting thoroughly outplayed by a great 49er defense and still outscoring the 49ers in the second half, or in the third quarter. Getting thoroughly outplayed. I mean, the, the Terry Kill touchdown came on like the first play of the fourth quarter, but point still stands. You go two interceptions in the third quarter and still score seven to six outscoring the 49ers. That's what keeps you in the game. What's interesting is that as I'm watching this go on early in the game, the Dolphins go... After the Trent Sherfield touchdown, Tua has five consecutive incomplete passes. Two of which were just straight misses to Jalen Waddle. Like, Waddle is open, one of them is underthrown, one of them is thrown behind Waddle. They go, they throw five consecutive incompletions that lead to those two punts. On the game, the Dolphins finished with 37 rushing yards as a team. Sorry, 33 rushing yards as a team on eight carries. Which, by the way, I said at the start of the year, the Dolphins had a poor rushing game. The Dolphins have not had a poor rushing game since bringing in Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert getting healthy and trading out Chase Edmonds. Like, they they acknowledged at the deadline, hey, our running game is trash, and we're just going to recreate the 49ers' backfield with Wilson and Mostert, and we're actually going to be a pretty good rushing team. Not great, but a pretty good rushing team with Mostert and Wilson. And moving off of Chase Edmonds and moving off of Miles Gaskin in exchange for Mostert and Wilson. They've actually been a decent rushing team, but this game, no. Just back to being the shit rushing team the Dolphins have been the first half of the season. And when you combine 0 for 5 at one point, now Tua followed that up with the field goal drive looking like Tua, which was five consecutive completions after a 2-8 and eight start passing the football. And they end up getting that one field goal out of it, which ended up being their only score other than the two bomb plays. You had the one drive where Tua looked like Tua. So it's not like, oh my gosh, let's hit the panic button on, on the Dolphins offense. No, they played a bad game. And on the one drive that executed well, Tua did what Tua does best, which is five for five for 45 yards. And they went down and kicked a field goal. But before that, they went 0 for five. And then Tua ended up throwing two interceptions in the second half. It was a poor offensive game by the Miami Dolphins. The whole way through, I kept thinking, man, the 49ers' defense is great. It's great. The 49ers are great. And by the way, Brock Purdy against an average defense to below average defense like the Dolphins did what you would expect Garoppolo to do, which is the the drive that ended up being the touchdown to... uh, Or sorry, the drive that ended up being the field goal after the Tua interception... 19 yards to Kittle. Or sorry, this was the this was the touchdown drive before the end of the half. 19 yards to Kittle. 19 yards to Juwan Jennings. 
18 yards to Christian McCaffrey, six-yard touchdown Christian McCaffrey. Like, Brock Purdy did basically what Jimmy Garoppolo would do at the end of the half, and it was good enough to get by. I mean, obviously the defense ended up having the big scores at the end of the game, the the strip six by Bosa, um, the the the, the uh, Skylar Thompson interception by Fred Warner. They forced four turnovers, so like big, you know, obviously the end of the game, the scoreboard's going to look a lot better, but... If you take the 26 to 17 that it was before the garbage time scores, you're looking at the Dolphins play a really poor offensive game where you have in between the two gigantic plays, 101 yards to a completing under 50% of his passes and two interceptions, which I would argue, yes, Teron Armstead was out. The 49ers have the best defense in the entire NFL. And it's a Super Bowl caliber defense because the 49ers are a Super Bowl or bust team. You could give the Patriots the best defense in the league, which they have a top five defense. You could give them the best defense in the league. They are not going to have enough offense to get by. 49ers have enough offense to get by. And the thing that's crazy, just like it's been the great exception of the last four seasons, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Because if Brock Purdy can give you... 20 for 30 for 210 yards, they're going to be just fine. 88 passer rating, it's good enough. Just don't turn the ball over. 49ers are going to be okay because that defense is great. And that offense has five pro bowlers. Five pro bowlers. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, five Five pro bowlers on that 49ers offense. They are this great exception and they are the best team in the NFC. As long as Brock Purdy gives them 20 for 30, 210 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. The same thing I said at the start of the season is still true now. If you get 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, your team is going to be fine. You are the best, most talented team in a very lackluster NFC. If you just get 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, it's going to be okay. Garoppolo is outperforming that expectation, and the 49ers were rolling the last six weeks of the season, rolling the last six weeks with a number one defense and a top five, or sorry, a top 12 offense. They were rolling. You can move, you can move that offense down to even like 20 you can move it down to 21 22 like the territory that mac jones is in they're gonna be okay you know why they're gonna be okay because you can always just uptick christian mccaffrey's usage rate like they did against the miami dolphins christian mccaffrey was used on 33 percent of their offensive snaps they ran 75 plays that ended in some sort of yardage that didn't end on like a penalty or something 75 offensive plays 25 of which to Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey also had over 50% of their rushing plays, which was something the 49ers weren't doing. Christian McCaffrey was only averaging 26% of their offensive play calls. So you know what you can do to win a championship when the playoffs roll around? Just increase those run plays to Debo Samuel. Increase those screen passes to Christian McCaffrey. Just, Just uptick their usage rate just a little bit more so that you can hide Brock Purdy Just a little bit more. Because again, San Francisco can win a championship with Brock Purdy. No ifs, no ands, no buts. 
as long as he gives them 210 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and then come playoff time, just keep giving the ball to McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle. Get him in space, get him in screens, scheme around the offense. Because again, that seems like the Shanahan offense can do it with any quarterback. Put Stetson Bennett in there. I bet you that would be good enough to win a championship. If you put Stetson Bennett as the 49ers quarterback, that'd be good enough. Brock Purdy, that's good enough. As long as he gives you not a ton of turnovers. And I think Shanahan's going to be able to scheme that away from Brock Purdy. And if they do that, if they can get the same 88 quarterback rating, just like I said at the start of the season, 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and you get McCaffrey's usage rate hanging around 30%, you get Debo's usage rate hanging around 20%, you can you can get enough because you have a number one defense. You can You have enough. You have 11 pro bowlers. Quarterback's not that important. Only on the 49ers is the quarterback not that important, and they're still the best. They, they could go from Lance to Garoppolo to Brock Purdy only on the 49ers. Will they still be the best team in the NFC? Because no other team has anywhere close to that level of Pro Bowl talent that the 49ers have. So Brock Purdy, you are Stetson Bennett. From this point forward, you are Stetson Bennett. And you're going to be the 49ers guy with a number one defense who's been given the keys to a Ferrari. If you're the Miami Dolphins... I would still be feeling pretty optimistic about your chances. Don't look at this as like the end-all, be-all because Tua played poorly because he just straight missed guys in the open field. We've seen this experiment. We've seen this play out. The Dolphins are a very good offense and pretty below-average defense. That very good offense beats the crap out of not-great defenses. And when you run into the best defense in the NFL, I mean, Nick Bosa is going to get three sacks and a strip sack touchdown. And you're going to miss some completions to Waddle. And you're going to score basically three points. But then you're going to have the big plays that keep you in the game. And those big plays that keep you in the game is the reason that this wasn't 33-3 to like last year's Dolphins would have had against this year's 49ers team. And again, if you play a great offensive game, those big plays come through for you, you're going to score in the high 30s, like they did against Baltimore, like they did against Houston a week ago. If you do that, the big plays are going to come through, and it's the reason why in games that Tua starts and finishes, they were undefeated, because they were playing all bad defenses, partially. They, They had not played a top 10 defense all season other than Buffalo. And as we talked about, that Buffalo game, the Bills had ample opportunities to win, including a circumstance where a blown call ended up being the difference, no question. Other than the Buffalo game, Miami has played no top defenses until playing the 49ers and getting squashed by the 49ers. And that's okay. You've proven that you are a great offense. Cincinnati got squashed by a great defense, and we talked about them against Kansas City. They have the they have the personnel to beat Kansas City straight up. It's going to be very difficult because they need some level of defensive production against the best offense I've ever seen. And Miami's going to need some level of defensive performance against the greatest offense I've ever seen with the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play and the greatest offensive coach in NFL history. Yeah, they're going to need some level of defensive performance. It's not like they're going to play Brock Purdy every week, but they aren't going to play the 49ers scheme every week. And they're not going to play the 49ers defense every week. 
especially not in the first playoff game. I mean, I know the Titans off the Titans defense has been phenomenal the last seven weeks, like top ten in the league, great defense. But the Dolphins have the offense to compete with that. Dolphins top ten offense versus Titans top ten defense. We know if the Dolphins traveled to Tennessee, they'd be favorites in a road playoff game. So I think it's interesting to see what Miami does in these circumstances. And only in these games against the 49ers and against the Bills and against the um, the Kansas City will Miami be tested in such a way. Which is why Miami is the fourth best team in the third and that's in that group of three to six in the NFL right now, is because they have a great offense. They have a top five great offense. And that offense is capable of making big plays to supplement a, a very a good offense with big plays that will average over 30 points a game. And only against the best offenses in the league will 30 points a game not be good enough to get a victory. It's only against the best defenses that the Dolphins tend to struggle a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with them. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the 49ers. I think this game was very revealing on both sides in different directions. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. And thank you for stopping in here to our bonus post-game show as it relates to the Miami Dolphins and San Francisco 49ers breakdown. There was a lot of different points, a lot of winding points. I know we jumped from San Francisco to Miami a bit quickly, but... I think that we got a very good post-game show content out of this. So thanks for stopping in. Make sure to leave a five-star review. Make sure to leave a download. Appreciate all of you for your continued, continued support of the show. Take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Let's play it out one last time for the fallen Jimmy Garoppolo, who prior to him getting injured, the 49ers were talking about keeping around for next year. So please let this Garoppolo conversation end. And if it's not... Much like that girl who has drawn Jimmy Garoppolo every single day for the last eight months. If not, we'll just get to continue to play this Jimmy Garoppolo song into perpetuity. And maybe, just maybe this year, Ron Rivera will be ready to make a trade or a signing to bring in a new quarterback. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback.
They say he's smart and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding talent's what you lack, trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback.